with those lovely notes from Giuseppe Verde. Wait a minute, that's not Giuseppe Verde. And as you can tell, I'm not Frank Cravello. Welcome to the New World Order of Calcio. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Frank is off this week. There's no truth to the rumor that Frank the Tank has gone streaking to the quad after that Milan performance today against Parma. We, of course, are part of the World Football Index. Make sure you check out all the fantastic articles and podcasts on the website. A lot of good reads on the Copa Libertadores finals between Boca Juniors and River Plate. A super classical fiasco, if you will. Okay, on today's show, we talk relegation goal thriller, Empoli Spa, Battle of Heavyweights, Roma vs. Inter, and Fiorentina vs. Juventus. And this is definitely a league for old men. Uh, we're looking at you, Qualiarella and Pellissier. Today, in Frank's place, I will not do this alone. We have Roma suffer. Yes, that may be vague, but we all, he also hails out of Swindon. He is also a co-host on Man in the Post podcast, uh, European show, and is a massive Serie A fan. Serie A sit down welcomes back for his third cap, the two sweet Scott Monroe. Benvenuto, Scott. Benvenuto, thank you for having me on, Richard. And where is Frank? Where is he? That he is the million dollar question. We don't yeah. know where he is. Every time I come on, he's he's nowhere to be seen. Is he loving the life of Fabio Barini at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> Where breaking, is he? He's breaking tasteful things. Whether it's good or bad about Milan, we're not sure, but he's certainly breaking things. <laughs> Every time I come on, he's nowhere to be found. That's true. Don't take it as a slight against you. He's just trying to give us more uh, more airtime together, you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame him. <laughs> well, on today's show, we are going to talk... Um, Obviously, since Scott is a Roma fan, we're going to lead off with Roma versus Inter and then get into the rest of the match week. Let's get right into it, uh, Scott. You know, coming to this one, looking at the table wise, normally this is a top of the table matchup, meaning a top fo- two, two top four teams, right? Uh, mm-hmm. This year, certainly Inter is in, in third place at the moment. Uh, but unfortunately, Roma, it seems like, um, they're not having, they're having ups and downs in Serie A, particularly Serie A, and currently they are not inside, they're looking outside the top four. Um, what do you make about their position table? At least we'll start with that. Oh, <laughs> it, it's been, it's, yeah, it's one of them. It's been a very, very up and down season watching Roma, like the good start against Torino and then a very good start against Atalanta, the first home game of the season. And then it's just like nosedived out of nowhere. It, it seemed to uh, play well against the bigger sides, but against the, the, lit, uh, the littlest sides, like uh, your teams like Bologna, Kiev and Udinese, they seem to struggle. And evidently we've only picked up one point out of nine against those sides. And that was against Kiev. And we were tuning up after uh, tuning up in that game. It's just been a very, very strange season. Um, I can't put my finger on it. Um, it's it's been it's been painful to watch. If you're playing against Roma and you go one nil up, you will win this game. Apart from tonight, which which uh, which Inter did, but Roma don't have that fighting spirit in the latter games that they played um, against Udinese last week. That was painful to watch. I I felt like throwing throwing cutlery around in my kitchen kitchen everywhere it was just horrible to watch but um thankfully i didn't watch the game midweek um, and i spoke to you over social media about uh, i got the game recorded I'll, I'll watch that when i get home after watching swindon beat stevenage no that that got deleted that got deleted it's just <laughs> it's it's just been a whirlwind in this, of the season like um i went to the seska game yeah i remember that 
uh, and they played really, really well. And then they didn't bring that forward into the league games. It's just like, it's always one step forward and like four steps back. Hopefully this could be a turning point because it was a very good performance tonight against a very strong interside. Um, just to remember, Roma had a plethora of injuries and they, there was a very understrength Roma side. And it, to me, they come out with flying colours. And if it wasn't for a, a maybe um, a couple of dodgy referee call-ins, it could have, been, it could have turned out better. Yeah, so this game was at the Stadio Olimpico, um, and it was with your uh, favorite referee, Gianluca Rocchi. Oh, God, yeah. Juve's favorite f- referee. <laughs> well, this game did end 2-2, much like you mentioned. Um, it was an exciting matchup. The goals came in the 37th minute by um, Keita Balde. Uh, in the 51st, Chenji's Under with a beautiful strike, freezing Handanovic. Uh, then in, in the 66th minute, Mauro Icardi, as he always does, turns up big, uh, gets into the lead 2-1 momentarily. Uh, and then there was a p- penalty uh, for Roma where Kolarov scored, made it 2-2. That would be all the games, oh, all the goals in the game, I should say. Um, but I want to take I want to take a look at some of the plays in this game. Um, early on in the first half, uh, Roma had a good chance to take the lead over um, Florenzi. Uh, he had a chance, hits the post. Um, so close there. That would have how how good would have that felt had he had he made that in? Yeah, it's just the um, margins margins of error. Um, wonderful build up play. The sh- the back heel from Schick just took out the inter defence. Um, I could be really critical, and I probably know that other Roma fans will be critical about it. But I just think it was just a very unlucky opportunity. Yeah, and then uh, a couple minutes later, it looked like Inter were going to get the lead uh, bef- uh, just, just minutes after that hit, that post save. Uh, Keita Balde gets a header on it. Uh, Olsen was there with the big save. Um, that You know, Keita Balde really should have done better with that kind of play. Uh, you know, as being one of the upper echelon players in the league, um, you expect him when he's one on one with a goalkeeper with a heading opportunity, he should get that every time, right? Any 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 top any top player in, in the Serie A or in the world. Five feet in front of the goalie, you need to bury that. Yeah, either side, it was 1-0 Inter. Um, that was a warning sign for Roma because um, Danilo D'Ambrosio got down uh, in, Inter's right, Roma's left, on quite a few occasions and uh, played a couple of balls into Keita Balde and Ivan Perisic. And that, that was just a warning sign. And Roma didn't, didn't defend it very well and they got punished later on. Well, let's 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 move let's move to that moment then. Um, there's a play over actually in the inter box where Zaniolo was tripped in the box. Um, no penalty was called. No VAR. Um, it leads to a counterattack and an Inter score their first goal with Keita Balde. Um, first off, was that a penalty for you when Zaniolo went down? Um, yes, I'm, I'm gonna be biased because I am a Roma fan, but. If that happened at the other end, would we into fans would be moaning about it being not given? It it like goes round and round and roundabouts. But you have VAR in this league. It's not like the Premier League where they don't have VAR at the moment. You have VAR. If you're not sure, go and have a look. It just baffles me that week after week that referees in Serie A have the opportunity to have a look and to see the uh, the indiscretion of the foul, and then they don't use it. Like last season, they they used it quite a lot, and we applauded them because over over the littlest things like uh, a handball from a couple of yards away, they went to double check it. And this season, they t- they're trying to be go on their own instincts, and sometimes it's wrong. And um, it's just like 
you have the technology, why don't you use it? Yeah, and it, and it seems like while they have VAR, they're kind of a step behind some other leagues that do have VAR and mm. use it successfully. And I'll use Bundesliga for example. Oh, yeah. Bundesliga has, agree. yeah, they have a referee who watches the play, and so they let the play go on. But if the the person who's watching the replay notices a possible foul, he stops the game, get, tells the referee, and then they go and view it. Um, they should have that in Syria, and clearly they don't. They just wait for the referee to make the discretion. Or if it's something really blatant, like a goal line or something like that, um, then maybe they'll do that. But they need to do. They need to work more on that. What the referees do to have a, a an off field official watching the replay, signaling in to the on field referee uh, to let him know when stuff like that needs to be watched. They do. I think they do this season. I don't think they did last season. Um, Michael Fabry was the was the referee in question who was watching the game and um totty's come out and said i don't know what game he was watching maybe he was watching a different game he's watching the other scores in the other leagues yeah maybe he's watching bordeaux for uh, psg (laughs) on a different screen (laughs) or some la liga games but it was clear to see it's it's not the like i'm not gonna be like all all about it, but it happens all the time in Serie A. Roma are not the only team. It happens yeah. every week. Um, it, we'll probably talk about a game that happened last night in um, in Florence where a VAR decision was a bit harsh for Fiorentina. But yeah, it's not. It's just a teething problem at the moment in Serie A. But hopefully, it works. It it has its moments. When it works well, it works well. When it doesn't, it's it's bad. You can often see the. The mentality of a team when they go down a goal, and and, and in this case, uh, Roma had a chance to get back into the game right away. Kolar off with a free kick. Um, he forced an outstanding save by Handanovic. Um, it could have very easily been one-one at that point, um, but you had to like the reaction by Roma after they gave up a goal. Definitely, definitely, it was a the, um, a good. Um, it's a stupid foul on. I think it was on Cengizunda, if my memory serves me right. I, I was just in the. I was just peed off at that moment because it's conceded a stupid goal after a uh, a VAR incident um, it was a fantastic save from Handanovic he's proven why he's one of the best keepers in the league top corner from Kolarov who is he's had a, not a very good season for Roma he's been very uh, at fault quite a lot um, but at set pieces he's fantastic and um, a wonderful left foot and then a fantastic save from uh, from Handanovic so they went into halftime, one nothing lead for Inter. Uh, coming out of the break, uh, the man you kind of just referenced, Chenji's Under, um, he's been getting a lot of stick this year for not performing up to the standards that he did last year. Um, he came out as a whirlwind talent, um, this Turkish sensation coming out. And then this year, he's not been, you know, maybe not getting the pitch time that he, he wants, but he also is not, when he's out there, he's not been performing. Uh, but he came out, uh, guns blazing in, in the second half, and he scored a sensational left-footed shot. It, it froze Handanovic, like we said earlier. Uh, he didn't even know that shot was coming. Uh, beautiful, beautiful strike. Got to be one of the goals of the weekend there. Oh, yeah, definitely, without a doubt. It's just the technique on it as well. A couple of touches, no backlift. It caught me by surprise because I know it's in his locker, but it's easy for him to score from 25, 30 yards out, but then it's easy for him to miss from six yards out like he did midweek which was probably one of the worst misses of the season and then he missed a horrible chance later on in the game which we'll probably talk about but yeah he has it in his locker he's done it before this season against Frosinone and it was a goal that Roma needed and it in as you said Handanovic was just nowhere he was he, his feet were planted and he was frozen 
So at that point, it's 1-1. Uh, good game going on. Uh, it's fairly even game for the most part. Um, both teams creating opportunities. Um, usually in these big games, uh, you have to give Inter credit, and in particular, Mauro Icardi. He always seems to show up in these games. It uh, doesn't matter if it's you know the Milan Derby or if it's a Champions League game. He's always popping up with goals. And in this one, he did in the 66th minute. Um, how big of a player is he? He's, he seems to be underrated around the world. I mean, like, I feel like when I feel like the Tottenham game over the in the Champions League this past week, um, it seems like he's like so underrated, like nobody values him. And I'm thinking he's one of the best players in the world. And how how do not other people realize this? Oh, I completely agree. It could be awful for 93 out of 94 minutes, but you give him a chance, he will bury it for you. And in that mo- in that minute, he's the best striker in, in Europe and close to be one of the top five strikers in the world. It, the composure he has is just magnificent. And no wonder why he was top goal scorer last season. Um, it's just fantastic. Yeah, a, a common trait with all the best strikers in the world is that, yes, they may be out of the game for a majority of the time, but all they need is that one opportunity, and they are composed, and they finish it. Um, and he certainly has that trait. Um, another person who seems to have a, a killer instinct, if you will, is Kolarov. Um, though he scored from a penalty, he he, says, he he comes up big in, the, in these opportunities, whether it's a free kick, penalty kick, just straight-up goal and assist. Um he is uh he has ice in his veins and you can the joke is with you know Roma English is you know when he first came onto the team you know he his celebration face or his happy face is is not a happy face at all no it's his normal it's normal to me no no it was um balls of him to take the penalty um i didn't think it would be him i thought it would be someone else on the pitch uh maybe a shick um but yeah ice cool penalty handanovic nearly got it but um yeah it was needed because that was um, Roma were quite down at that moment. We just gone two one down. Far, it actually did work on that moment, which was a bit of a surprise. And it was good that Rocky actually went to see what happened because um, Brozovic did put his arm to the ball. It was a bit of a, a stupid brain fade from him, but yeah, very good penalty from from Kolarov. In as I said, it was needed, and uh, thankfully he dispatched the penalty. All right, so we were talking about this before. Under had his chance to get another goal in this one. Um, walk us through the play about what happened and what and how did he miss? Oh my god! <laughs> it's, it's not as bad as the one midweek, which um, yeah, that was. If if anyone hasn't seen that, please please have a look. If you think Matt Ritchie's miss on Monday night for Newcastle was bad, <laughs> yeah, that was even worse. It was just a, a good play down the left. Um, I think it was Justin Cliver who may have squared the ball to Cengiz and about 12 to 15 yards out, um, complete air shot, absolutely fluffed it, fluffed his lines. <laughs> and he, he has moments of brilliance and then he has moments of despair. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, he's still a young player, so he's still working out his own kinks, you know. But hopefully, he gets uh, he he gets more on the end of those and misses from now on. Because uh, mm. if he does, he's going to become a a world known player as opposed to just a Syria known player, you know. Yeah, definitely. And then there's rumors that um, there was an Arsenal scout at the game. He'd be probably be pleased on what he saw about the goal, but overall, he still has a lot of work to do. Remember, he's still a young lad, and there's rumours that Arsenal are willing to offer fifty million for him. And I don't know whether to say if, if, if I was like part of the Roma board whether to take it or not, because you've got this time to develop develop a player, but it's also quite stupid money from the Premier League. 
Yeah, all, any offer that comes from the Premier League is going to be higher than normal than any other league, I would think, mm. just because they have the money to throw around. So they do. Yeah. It's overvalued for sure, the players that they take. Um, how sure you were that it was a Arsenal uh, scout and not a future Milan scout um, joining <laughs> the ranks of Gazidis and, and then at Milan? <laughs> I think it's quite sure. I've seen some some credible sources. <laughs> but no, no, never know. Never know. See what happens. Um, but as you said, yeah, um, with the TV deal that they have here in the UK from Sky and BT Sport, uh, the majority of the clubs in the Premier League um, can just chuck the money at players. All right, so as we mentioned, uh, one of your favorite referees, Gianluca Rocchi. Uh, I know you have something to say about him. Uh, this is your time. Go ahead. Tell us what you really feel about him. It's not the first time that he has refereed a Roma game and he's come up looking not the greatest. It's just a couple of years ago, Roma played Juventus. And he gave Juventus two penalties in that game and a dubious third goal. Um, it was between in the 2014 and 15 season. He gave uh, a penalty to Juventus for a mic on handball, which he was shielding. You can see those given in games, but it just like time after time I see him referee games. He, he's got a ricket in him, and I joke he like I sent out a tweet earlier saying he's the Mike Dean of Serie A. It's all about himself. <laughs> what's um, that joke? What's that running joke? The running meme about him is I don't like your post penalty Juventus. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Regore <laughs> Juventus, but no, it's just uh, time after time you can just see he has an absolute ricket in him, and I. I just call him the Rocky Horror Show. <laughs> it's just, it's just so bad. It's just like I know referees just come under scrutiny in all football, and it's a very hard job. But when you're making mistakes after mistakes in games, you're going to get called out for it. And um, um, John Solano put something out saying that he got banned from doing Roma games a couple of years ago after in. Discretions in evidently the Roman Juventus game in the 2014-15 season at the J Stadium, ah, where, yeah. where as you can guess, Juventus won that three-two thanks to a late goal. Um, but yeah, it's just like it's just painful to see that he's making bad calls, and it, it baffles me that he gets like big games in Europe and then big games on the international stage. Um, he did an England Scotland game last summer, and it was just it was painful to watch. Yeah, it's a shame that he is the uh, one of the representatives for Italian referees because it doesn't put uh, Serie A in a good light when, uh, no. when he's refing those matches. No, no, there's like, uh, like we we give we like I said we give like bad bad words to to referees. It's a horrible job, but yeah, it's like he, he's so bad. It's just pain. It is painful to watch. It's, it's like like a couple of times to, tonight, and you're just thinking, why don't you just use like on the Zaniolo incident? You have the VAR. Why yeah. don't you use it? It's just like, oh. And I thought that particular instance it was a penalty as well. I thought um, I don't remember who the who the one who got a foot Dambrose. on Dambrose. Dambrose, yeah. So yeah. I, I feel that he got the foot on on Zaniolo and he went down. Um, so I thought it should have been a penalty, but um, we've seen. Um, Less given before, and we've seen stuff that was even harsher that never were given. So, um, oh yeah. Overall, Definitely. you know, both teams share the points in this one at least. Uh, it's big for Roma because they couldn't afford to lose to another another team. Um, so coming after this, after through fourteen games, 
Uh, Inter remained in third place with 29 points, and Roma gained a point and jumped up to uh, 20 points on this one. So, uh, seventh place, seventh place, the heady highs of the Europa League qualifications. Yeah, yeah. And so, how do you feel up to this point in the season? How Roma is doing? I mean, because I know a lot of pe- the big stick right now is that you know, obviously, uh, your man EDF is on the hot seat. Um, you know, underperforming in the league while he's doing pretty pretty decent in Champions League minus this past weekend's result or past week's result. Um, so how is your assessment of EDF's uh, job so far this season, in particular in Serie A? Um, very hit and miss. It's like one week um, they look fantastic, like against Sampdoria, and then after the international break, it just goes down. It just It's a shower of mess. It's just like one step forward, two steps back. It's, it's very much a work in progress, this squad. It doesn't help that the injuries have taken its toll on, on, on the starting level. Like you go into this game and you're missing De Rossi, uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini, um, Edin Dzeko. And that's three starters in the three banks of midfield um, and attack. So... It's it's just a it's it's been painful, but then it's been it's been you've seen two different sides to Rome. It's been very Jekyll and Hyde. You know, it's funny because last week uh, when Frank and I were talking about Milan, and I'm to quote the our other Syria colleagues from Curva America, the other team from Rome, Lazio. Um, Lazio, we felt should have done better considering they played a, a injury prone Milan team who mm. who barely had a, a strong lineup together. Uh, in this case as well. How do we look at interest performance in this one? They, they, get, they get a draw in this one, though Roma, like you said, are suffering from several injuries themselves, including the big man, Dzeko. So um, how, do you, how do you think Roma or Inter should look at this, uh, the results of this matchup? Obviously, Roma should take this uh, as, a, as, a, as a win in their book because they, they got a draw. But you know, Inter probably should have done better considering the lineup card when you look at this game. Yeah, if I was Spalletti and and Co. and his in his coaching staff, I'd be a bit a little like a little miffed and a little like I'll say a pissed off because you went you went up in the lead twice and got clawed back against an injury ravaged Roma side. Um, yeah, I would probably say if I was an Inter fan or part of the Inter squad and like coaching staff, I would say it's two two points dropped, not one point gained. And before we wrap this one up, um, the old manager himself, uh, he uh, Spalletti, he got ejected right at the end of the game. Um, you could hear him shouting from the TV. I heard him over here in the in the U.S. Uh, he was certainly pissed off at the end of that game, and uh, referee Rocky didn't like what he's had to say, so he kicked him out. Yeah, I think you, he just mouthed, um It's off, off. Just get off, off. I think that's what the translation that um, the eleven sports commentator said. Um, yeah, I think he got a little bit upset on a foul on Stephen Nzonzi, and I didn't think it was a foul. I, it looked like Nzonzi tripped over his own two feet and got the foul. Um, yeah, <laughs> you could, yeah. you could, you could hear the uh, the whistles when Spalletti um, got ejected. He's not well liked by Roma fans, as as I found out when I went to Totti's last game. Um, uh, when the teams were announced, he got booed. Yeah, and a lot of it has to do with how he treated Totti in his last season. Yes. His last season, so yeah, um, it's a shame how that all ended. But um, I can see why the disdain for him, um, despite you know how well he's done there in the past. So yeah, it's just that was probably the the blotch on his copybook at Roma. It's like that was a, a fantastic season, uh, one of the highest points tally. But the way. 
the media and him went around treating Totti in the final couple of weeks was quite horrible to watch. Well, that was a, that was a big matchup for this week. Uh, let's go to the rest of match week 14. All right, so we all start this one uh, not with Fiorentina Juventus, but we'll start in chronological order. And we're going to start with Spal against Empoli. Um, this game, while at first may seem like a relegation battle and one that you want to tune away from, um, Scott, it, certain, it certainly turned out to be a goal fest. Um, not what you would expect from Spal and Empoli, would it? No, and do you know what? I turned off because <laughs> I did a little bit of Christmas shopping yesterday and I thought, should I come home and watch this? No, no, I'll watch something else. <laughs> and I ended up watching the WWE Network and I felt a little bit stupid because I was trying to keep abreast of the the scores yesterday, as you do, and I saw it was 2-2 and I thought, oh, I've missed a, a pretty much a humdinger. Then I caught a little bit of the highlights yesterday after the Fiorentina-Juve game and it turns out I did and probably missed one of the goals of the season. Yeah, so we'll we'll get into those goals because this was two two was the final score. Uh, Yasmin Kurtic opened the scoring with a header uh, to give the host the lead, but then uh, Frank Cravello's cousin Francesco Caputo gets a, another goal, big goal. Mister, uh, he was huge in Serie B coming into Serie A. He's already got seven goals now on the season. Uh, great for them, uh, great for him, and great for Empoli. Um, Krunic with one of the goals of the season. That's the goal you mentioned. Uh, sensational goal from I feel like thirty-five meters out or something. It was it was from out there. Um, top top shelf goal. He gives Empoli temporarily the lead, uh, two to one. Um, we'd go into halftime, and actually it would, things would get worse for Spal. Uh, Chionik would get a red card in the forty-ninth minute. So you think Empoli should see this one out, right? Wrong. Uh, Yasmin Kurtic came up big with a big goal. Uh, another top five goal of the weekend. Uh, he gets the goal, makes a two-two. That would be all the goals in this one, uh, Scott. Two-two uh, thriller, a very entertaining game. And the one thing I'm taking away from this game, or Empoli in general, is that they play attractive football. They may not win every game, uh, but they're certainly fun to watch. And uh, under Iakini, uh, they seem to still be undefeated somehow. Yeah, it was the same under Andrea Zoli. Andrea Zoli played this like exciting brand of like attacking football, um, which he wasn't known for when he was at Roma. But they did brilliantly well in Serie B last season. He took it to Serie A, and then he then he got sent on his birthday, <laughs> which is probably not the best thing. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. But um, it was a fantastic result against Atalanta last week, and uh, Iakini's got them playing some good football, and um, just need to get them away from that little dotted line from at the bottom of the Serie A table. But yeah, things are looking good for uh, for Empoli at the moment. So on to the next game, and that was the other heavyweight matchup. It was Fiorentina hosting Juventus, and uh, pre-game, Chloe Beresford tweeted out the uh, the instructions for the Tifosi, uh, for the big Tifo before the match, um, and it was a beautiful tifos, uh, Tifo from the from the home crowd. Um, unfortunately, that would be as, as good as it would get for the La Viola. Um, Robert, uh, Rodrigo Bentacor, uh, the Argentine connection between him and Dybala to get this goal, um, Beautiful shot, beautiful finish. Um, 
uh, you, know, get a lot of, you have to give a lot of credit to Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, he yes. took two players away to give Bentacor the freedom to get that shot off, and he he finished it. And he really he's making uh, he's going to make it hard for Allegri to put back Kadira once he's once he's healthy because Bentacor is playing playing out of his world. Wonderful player. I will correct you. Not Argentine, Uruguayan. Uruguayan, you're right. Yeah, best. South but American. Did, South American. <laughs> I was thinking you they could They all say drink same. mate. They all drink mate. Yeah. Mate, <laughs> same thing. But no, wonderful player. Love he left foot. And uh, a highlight to watch him play football yesterday. He was one of the best players on the park. And he's he's grown into that into that midfield role as well. And I'm glad you corrected me because Jesse Loesch would have my head if I, if you didn't correct me. Yes, so yes. That. I think her, him and Lucas Torreira are her two yes. favorite players. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it used to be, be Forlano anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's not the South American podcast here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we go into uh, continuing on. Uh, there was a goal later on in the second half, uh, the 69th minute by uh, Giorgio Chiellini. He gets a uh, questionable goal, I guess you could say, because there's there's question about whether it was offsides or not. Uh, it turned out he wasn't offsides. Ronaldo did not commit a foul. Um, a, the ball had bounced over um, uh, Albin Lafont. Uh, so it was a good goal. Gives gives Inter, excuse me, Juventus the lead two nothing there. And then in the the game, the play you referenced earlier, um, there's a play where the and I forget the player went who went down to try to stop a, a cross in. The ball Fernandez, hits his, I think it's is Ed Mill, it's Ed, uh, Fernandez, yeah. I, yeah. If I can remember his first name, uh, yeah, the midfielder. So yeah, he he gets he gets dinged because he went to slide and, and his backhand, which is on the ground naturally, might I add, um, gets hit with the ball. Uh, the play would the play would result in a penalty. Was that a penalty for you? Because to me, it wasn't. <sighs> Do you know what? That is such a horrible rule because. Mandzukic kicked the ball at him, and he's two yards away. And what you're supposed to do? You can't, you yeah. can't block it. And it's it's a very stupid rule. And like players all across Europe and all across the leagues that we all watch, I see it most of the time in watching League Two. You see it in the leagues that you watch in the Bundesliga, MLS, Serie A. It's just a very stupid rule, and it's, it's there's hardly any context to it. It's like, is his arm in an unnatural position, or is it in a natural position? How can we tell? I mean, those of us who play the game will will can know. I mean, but it seems like people who are making the calls they have no clue, and they're just you know they're guessing, um, like like the rest of the fans. But some, most, it seems like the fans' guesses are more educated than than these referees. Sometimes I didn't think that was a penalty at all. It was um, very hard. Like you said, what, what are you going to do? He's two yards away. He's already on the ground. I mean, come on. I've seen worse. I've seen you know. That may that may be as harsh as you can get when with a with a penalty like that, you know, given to that. But hey, they get the penalty. Um, they're the champions. They they they've kind of I guess earned earned the right I guess maybe to to get that call. But um, uh, pretty boy Ronaldo, he he steps up, scores a goal, his tenth of the season. Now he is tied with uh, Christoph Piatic with ten goals for the Capocanieri lead. Um, it's so long ago that you know Piatek had like a four goal lead in this thing, and now it's all all the sharks, as Frank calls it, are back and and they've they've caught them so so to speak. So, but overall in this game, um, it wasn't really much. I mean, Benassi had a wonderful strike that um, it clearly beat the goalkeeper, but uh, it just missed wide. But that's close as Laviola would get. Um, I thought this would be a much closer game, Scott, between these two teams, because especially because mm. it was on the road for Juventus, but. Uh, the champs, they they get it done. They, they you know they they were resourceful. Juventus uh, at home and away, and especially in these big matchups. And 
you know, they're, they're proving that they are the cream of the crop and they got a big lead up top right now. And it's really early in the season to have that kind of big lead. I know it's a very, uh, it's a, it's a massive lead. Is it what, is it 13 points or is it 11 points? It's is 11 it, right 11, now 11, with, 11, with the sorry. game to play for Napoli tomorrow. Yeah, this, 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 oh God, it's, it's their title to lose. Um, on the game, um, Juventus scored uh, at the right time in my eyes, especially in the second half on Chiellini's goal. Um, Fiorentina come out in the second half. I wonder if purely given them a bit of a bollocking in the, in the first half because they did all this pressing and then it would tire themselves out and then they were going nowhere when they got the ball because Juventus just being Juventus and they're so good. They are so, so good at closing the game out as well. Uh, they're probably one of the best in Europe and in the world at doing it. Um, but yeah, um, they had their chances. Uh, if Giovanni Simeone sees his chance again on TV, he will cringe. That was a horrible, horrible miss from close range. And I just wonder if it, a very lack of confidence is coming and maybe a couple of games on the bench might do him some good. But it was an emphatic win from the champions. And they didn't even play that well. And it, it's very strange that you've got one of the, one of the best young players in Paolo Dybala who seems very hit and miss at the moment he's uh, he's, he's struggling to get into this UV team and when he does he was he's, he was he was very poor yesterday yeah other than that one assist uh, there wasn't much that he did um, let's stick with the champs for now um, Bentacore the way he's playing I mean if you were Allegri and you have a fit Kadira you have you know your fit complement of midfielders Bentacore's got to start doesn't he Definitely over Kadira. Um, he's got the youth. Um, Kadira's legs look seem to be going, and he always picks up these uh, these muscle injuries. I know Juve fans last season were just like banging on Kadira, saying he has to go. Why is he playing? But yeah, I would go with Bentacore. Um, Emre Chan. Emre Chan is a it was a smart move for them. Um, so yeah, I would go with Rodrigo Bentacore. He, he is so good to watch. And going over to Fiorentina, while this is only their fourth loss of the season, I mean, they, they're they sitting pretty low on the table for where they'd like to be. They're in 12th place currently. Um, and what what you know, what, are they, what do we make of them? Because they just came off of, what, one, two, three, four, five, five draws in a row. Um, they seem to have uh, – can't find a way to win the games and then – more often than not, they're if they can't if they can't get the draw, they're they're getting a loss. Um, so you know, with a team this talented, you would expect them to do much better than they they're doing, right? Um, look, if you look at the lineup in this one, this this look at the starting lineup in this one. You had Chiesa, Simeone, Gerson, a young a young attacking front three, right? You got Banassi, who's been playing out of his world this year. Uh, Jordan Vera too, and Fernandez, who we talked about earlier. Um, and then in the back, they got Beragi, who's, who's fantastic. Victor Hugo and Petzela play are pretty good in the back and as far as center backs go. And then Milinkovic on the right back. And they got a, a stellar young goalkeeper in LaFont. Um, a team with this much talent, you would expect a lot more of them. Certainly a top half of the table finish or maybe even European or, or even at the stretch Champions League contenders, but they're not getting it done this year. No, I just seem this like at this get, uh, the game I was watching yesterday. It just seems like a lack of confidence is running through the side, um, especially up top in um, Giovanni Simeone. If if your striker's lacking confidence, where's your goals coming from? Um, it seems like he needs a couple of games on the bench and maybe Cyril Cyril Thoreau. Um, 
may may come in for him. But and he's a, he's a good he's a good veteran to have. On yeah, the, he's know? not he's not a bad backup player to have because he, he he had a um, a good good career with Udinese and Chievo. But yeah, it just seems to me that um there's a lack of confidence going through them. And as you said, that five draws and then now a defeat. Um, I watched them against Roma. And to be honest, um, Roma could have won that game if it wasn't for Ed and Jacko's awful finishing and a bit of poor defending at the end. But they have the tools there. Like Chiesa is a wonderful player to watch. He's so gifted and they're going to have a horrible time on their hands next time we're trying to keep him uh, on board because there is going to be clubs fishing for him uh, like like sharks like going for him all the time um, like from Italy and, and, and the Premier League so that could be in question but I, I wonder if he has like Pioli and the board will have to go into the transfer market in January to just get some reinforcements because I, I, they might need a little help up top if Simeone's not scoring. And you, you can see he's lacking in confidence. Yeah, he certainly, I think, I agree with you, he should be put on the bench and given a chance to think about it and then bring on Toro, see what he can do, and then, and then reinsert Simeone and see if he can, they can reignite him. Otherwise, they may have to go to the transfer market in January and try to bring in a veteran or someone who has a proven score uh, to get them out there because I think that's what's really lacking with them is their clinical fishing, finishing, excuse me, and Simeone, what we saw last year where he was clinical, this year he seems to be missing his shooting boots. So uh, that'll do him a, a, a good, a, I think more good than not, uh, to put him on the bench for a couple of games. Just get yeah. to think about it. I'm just looking at their uh, recent results. So it was the Juventus game on Saturday, and then he drew, uh, before that he drew 0-0 away at Bologna, 1-0 against Frosinone. Um they were um, a bit unlucky because the goal that Frosinone scored uh, by Piemonte was an absolute wonder goal and, yeah, it was. Uh, from the Inter Milan uh, online Inter Milan's player. Um, uh, one all against uh, against Roma, one all against Torino, and one all against Cagliari. So you can see a trend going on at the moment with uh, uh, one, two, three, four one alls, one nil nil, and a and a three nil defeat. Yeah, not good coming from Fiorentina. Moving on, speaking of not good, uh, we're going to go to Sampdoria against Bologna. Uh, Sampdoria just came off a a draw in the big derby for for the general derby last week. But Bologna, they seem to be struggling this year. Uh, people in Zaghi seems to be on the hot seat with Bologna, and for good reason. Uh, this one ended 4-1 in favor of Sampdoria. Uh, scoring started in the 10th minute. Uh, Dennis Pret scored with a be- after a beautiful assist from Gianluca Caprari. Um, Andrea Poli would equalize in the 17th minute. Uh, he did not celebrate with his goal. Um, then old man Fabio Quagliarella would give the lead for the, to the host in the 25th minute. Um, Gaston Ramirez would, would had more pain to Bologna's misery in the 40th with a, with another beautiful assist by Caprari. A 3-1 going into halftime. And then in the second half, Fabio Quagliarella once again um, from a pass from Lanetti in the 68th. That's 4-1 to Sampdoria and Bologna, they are reeling right now. They got a lot of talent on their team too, but they are reeling right now and uh, they need to find a solution and they need to find it quick. Yeah, I think this may have been Pippo and Zaghi's last game in charge. If not, I'll be quite surprised because I think they have the Coppa Italia in midweek, if memory serves me right. They were awful, very, very bad, especially in defence. If you give away the first two goals just to 
bad passes out from the back, you will get punished. And they did get punished. And it, it was it was schoolboy stuff. It was non-league-esque defending. It was Serie A D. <laughs> it was, yeah. so, it yeah. was so, so bad. And they got punished. And um, something needs to happen. Maybe a change in formation. Maybe a change in personnel. But yeah, it, it's not looking good for Pippo and Zaghi. Um, but on Sampdoria, um, veteran striker Quagliarella um, strikes again. Yeah, he uh, doesn't doesn't matter how old he gets, uh, he's going to score goals no matter what. He still has that, that 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 killer instinct. That's seven goals now on the on the season. Um, he continues to get it done. This guy is just impressive, and you know he's he's just slightly younger than me, and he is in far far better shape than I am. <laughs> I am jealous of of Qualiarella, So um, if he's old man Qualiarella, I am ancient Carmen, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> But um, don't they say in Italy that like the older you get, the better you play? It's like fine like, wine. It's fine. It's like a fine wine. You've seen it with like Pirlo, Totti, Del Piero, and even now with Sergio Pellissier, Fabio Quagliarella, and all these veterans keep playing into like their late thirties and maybe early forties. Must be something in in the olive oil. Yeah, absolutely, and it's uh, it <laughs> it must be something with the pasta and the, and the olive oil and the good healthy Italian living that you know, these, these older guys are getting it done at, at older ages. Boriello also in the past has been a guy who's been scoring a lot of goals in his uh, older age. So and John uh, Luca Toni also he you know he oh, yes. Caninieri as a thirty something year old. So um, yeah, and let's not forget the Udinese great. Um, uh, Di Natale. Di Natale, yeah. So yeah, yeah it's a, it's certainly a league for older strikers i would say um obviously kadira uh he's not gonna be part of that list because uh once your legs go the big thing with these older guys they all have their legs still uh Qualiarella is still as fast as he can be uh, but kadira his legs losing his legs it's if, once you lose your legs uh, it, you're losing your your starting time and maybe your your career as a player yeah, especially if you use that like Yana pace in a in a, a very specific role that like, you play, it can be quite dangerous because he's a what uh, a central midfielder who can play in defensive midfield. I know he's had horrible injuries in the past, but if you lose that Yana pace, you're gone. Absolutely. Uh, so that was the end of uh, the Saturday slate. Uh, going on to Sunday today, uh, it started off bright and early, too early for me, really. Uh, <laughs> Milan hosting Parma in this one. Uh, Milan uh, coming off a interesting performance against the Dude Lounge, Dude Lounge over the, uh, the Thursday. Um, they went down, uh, they went down two one in that game before they turned it on, lit it up, and scored five or four in a row. In this one, uh, it was Bobby English, Roberto Inglese in the 49th minute, um, giving the uh, the road team a lead. Um, we knew Parma was going to come out to play. They've had a, they've actually had a pretty good season thus far. Um, they're, I think, they're currently in sixth place coming into this matchup. Um, so to see Parma get a goal early was not really surprising. Um, but what seems to be surprising is that Milan, as of late, Scott, uh, they seem to be going. They seem to enjoy going down because they, they like the comebacks for some reason, and that that doesn't work in this league too often. You can only do it so much, but after a while, you're going to come up against a team that's not going to give up that lead. No, you get found out. Um, how early was this for you to watch this? Uh, so this game was on at ooh, I want to say six thirty in the morning. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's eleven thirty for us in the UK. So it's twelve thirty in your in European time. Yeah, that's that's quite 
quite early for you guys in the States. But on on Milan, um, I like the never-say-die attitude that your coach has got drilled into the side at the moment. I know you've had a plethora of injuries, especially in the game last week against Lazio. And and it showed when you played a right-back at right-centre-half, a left-back at left-centre-half, and a left winger at left wing back. <laughs> and I bet you were scratching your head going, what the hell is going on? Yeah, but yeah. but um, you were very unlucky to come away with a point because um, you absolutely bossed that game. Good win in midweek. And I managed to see the highlights before watching the football tonight. And it was, um, like I said, I think you scored at the right time. Like, like I said, in the Juve game, Patrick Cotone's goal was fantastic. Just the technique on that. And um, Frank Kessie, calm cool and collected from the penalty spot and like i like i said last week um bakayoko who's come under some questions from like chelsea fans last season after his move from monaco he's done brilliantly replacing lucas biglia in the midfield i don't know if you would agree with me that without richard yeah you know he is a player that uh, he's been getting a lot of stick here at milan to start the season uh all the new guys they seem to be taking a while to get together but uh, Bakayoko has turned it around in this game in particular. I thought he was quite impressive. Uh, he's looking like he's comfortable again. He's looking like almost like he was at Monaco, mm. or uh, comfortable on the ball, breaking up plays, being everywhere that he needs to be. Um, it's, it was Milan are certainly not missing, um, you know, uh, Bilia right now because of the way Bakayoko is playing. And um, if he keeps this up, you know. He may have a home for himself here at Milan because uh, he's certainly what he brings to the table is what Milan needs at the moment. Uh, Kessier, he brings the box to box and gives your scoring opportunities on the other end, but uh, you need a guy who can uh, sh- shut down the opposition, break up plays. Exactly. And that's what Bakayoko is doing really, really well right now. And so I got to give credit to him because um, I've been bashing him all season long, but now he's turned into this uh, a nice find overall. And he's, maybe he's finally getting comfortable with the teams, which is great to see. It's good that they complement each other as well. As you said, one can just sit and then the other can just do his box-to-box work. And then you've got Chanaloglu in the midfield as well. He's sort of like the creator. So it's like everything works for them. Now, I want to I wanna play be a little critical on this in this game. Um, the penalty that was given for Milan, while I, as a fan, I, I'm like, oh, that's great, we got a, we got a penalty. If you're looking at it from non-biased eyes, I don't think that was a penalty, actually. No, it's very soft. So, what, it was a cross, uh, is it Bastonier, uh, the Palmer defender? I believe so. Yeah, it had a, was, him and Crotone were sort of like grappling, and then it went away for a, a goal kick, and then he went to VAR. That, it was quite soft. It's so... <sighs> you've seen them given, you've seen penalties given for the slight of... As touch, but when there's like WWE wrestling in the penalty box, nothing's given. So it's <laughs> head like scratching, head scratching, head scratching. It's like they're body checking everyone. There's like a raw rumble in the penalty box. Like you throw over, you try and throw over your competitor over the top right, and then, and then nothing's given. And then you get like American football tackled, you get blocked off, nothing's given. But if you just pulled the shirt slightly, I know it's a foul, it's just baffling. It is baffling. Uh, and so in this game, Milan would get all three points. Uh, they would move up temporarily in the fourth place. So really what happened is Lazio needs to match them with a win to stay ahead of Milan overall. Um, and they would, they would be going on the road against Kievo. So you would think it's a no-brainer, right? 
Um, but that's why you play the games. Uh, this game ended one, one. Um, it was actually Kievo and old man, uh, Sergio Plissier who got the, got the lead early in the 25th minute off of, um, Walter Biersa pass. Um, beautiful play, beautiful goal, really getting five hole on the keeper. Uh, so it gives Kiev the early lead, and when I'm looking at this, I'm like, uh-oh, Lazio, are they going to implode against a team that they, they should definitely beat? Um, but, you know, Chiro Immobile, as he always does, he scores a goal, a big goal, really, for them, because uh, it would have been an embarrassing defeat had they lost this. Um, it ends 1-1. Um, this game was a lot closer than it should have been. Um, two yellow cards late in the game between Correa and, and Cacciatore, but uh, overall... Um, how do you rate this game if you're looking at it as a Lazio perspective? Probably to an opportunity to pick up a, a win after not the greatest of weeks. Um, they were quite poor last week and then Zaghi's substitutions cost him against Milan and then they lost in midweek in the Europa League in Apoel. Um But they were already qualified out of that group so it, it really didn't matter. Um there have been a bit inconsistent this season. I don't know what's been going on, um, but they have Chiro Mobile to thank because once again he bails them out. Absolutely, if uh, it wasn't for him, who knows where they'd be? Yeah, they could have been embarrassed, and it could have um, Kiev could have picked up their first win of the season. I know they've uh, got their they're actually in positive figures this after their let's say slight indiscretion. Uh, of what happened in the summer. Nice uh, <laughs> Lawyer talk. Um, but yeah, it's just, you go to Kievo, you expect to pick up points and it's, and when you don't, you feel like you've been slightly embarrassed because Kievo have been so poor this season and everyone expects them to be relegated. And I think they will get relegated, but Lazio and Inzaghi, I've been just going through a bit of a difficult time at the moment. So let's look at it from the Kiev's perspective. They currently are on two points uh, through 14 games. To get out of the relegation spot, which is the last safe spot, I should say, is held by Empoli at 13 points. That's 11 points away. <sighs> uh, that's that's tough, especially the way Empoli and Udine- well, Udinese is is playing questionable right now. But Empoli are playing pretty well. Spal are playing well. Genoa are playing fairly well. Um, it's going to be a tall task for Kievo to get out, not only the bottom, but just out of relegation in general. Yeah, the the start of the season they've had is well, it was it was poor, it was horrible. Um, but yeah, the, all I can say is Ventura. What was he doing? He's going to a club where they're they're down on their knees and he likes to rebuild. It wasn't going to happen. And then you quit after four games, and then your veteran striker comes out and absolutely throws him under the bus. It's just, it's, it's a basket case of a season. It's an absolute write-off. Um, two points from 14 games. It's not for, um, Benevento territory yet, but it, it could almost, um, I would expect them to, them to be relegated by February or March time. So from one draw to another, we go Frosinone hosting Cagliari. Uh, the scoring would start early in the 14th minute. Um, the host would take the lead, Casata, with a goal. Um, so they were sitting pretty for a while. Um, there was a, a yellow card in the 54th minute by Nicola Barella. Uh, the reason I bring that up, uh, we'll mention it in a couple of seconds, but uh, Diego Farias spares the blushes for Calgary. They equalize to make it 1-1 in the 77th. 
And then Barella in the 85th minute picks up a second yellow, a red. Uh, puts his team in a in a bad position. Luckily, there's only minutes to play. Um, it didn't end up costing his team the game, but it very well could have. Uh, he's a young player. He's a very very talented player, but he's got to learn to keep his head on on a, on calm, cool, collected. Especially when you're already on a yellow, because had this been early in the game, they could have very well lost yeah, this game. It could have cost them. And he reminds me of another. Uh, low center, low center of gravity Italian midfielder who now plays for PSG. Who's quite hot headed. I wonder who that could be. I think it's, I think his name starts with a V. <laughs> yeah, Marco Verratti. He's also well known for picking up stupid yellow cards. Um, does, that means Barella misses the Roma game next week. Yeah, and that's a uh, see. That's, that's what we're kind of mass- talking about. That's, that's a, a massive blow because he's, he's our best player, and he's not going to be there. Wonderful player. He's a fantastic player, and um, yeah, that is a massive blow for Carry and the Carry midfield. And uh, Cranio, who is always under fire during the season, he's going to have to come up even bigger now with him not playing. Um, Jao Pedro, um, Marco Sao, Pavoletti, they're going to have to play big uh, with Barella missing in, in next yeah. week. Yeah. So whoever fills them has to create the service for your front man and your wide guys because without Barello it could be a difficult evening for the for for Cagliari in Sardinia because they're at home against Roma. The next game, which we're we'll just mention, it was Sassuolo Udinese a zero zero affair. Um, the other the last game on the slate was uh, well the last game other than the the main the main headliner was obviously Roma Inter. That game was the last game of the of, the, of Sunday, but. Uh, the last of the the multi was Torino hosting Genoa. Uh, that game had goals in that one. Um, started with uh, Kawame with a with a lovely goal, thirty six to give the road team the lead. And Saldi with with a lovely finish in the second minute of uh, the first half stoppage time gives them the lead. Moments later, Torino get a penalty. Andrea Bellotti finishes it two one at halftime, and that is how it would end two to one. Um, not much action in this game, but all, all the action that there was, at least goal scoring wise, came in the first half. Um, good performance, good finish by by Torino in this one. Uh, they've they've been an up and down season as well, but they needed the points, um, and those points proved pivotal because that, with that win, uh, they jump over Sassuolo, Roma, Parma, um, and even Sampdoria. So, oh, not not Sampdoria, but uh, the other three, yes. So, um, big points for them, especially if they're they're serious contenders to try to be in that European conversation. Yeah, that that area of the table is quite congested. It's quite a few teams on 20 and 21 points. Um, I've only seen the Ansaldi goal, so I really can't comment on the, on the match itself because I was at a game myself. I was at an FA Cup game. Um, it was a very, very good finish from the, uh, the Argentinian defender. This was a, a crucial win for Torino because it came on the back of the house scare for Mazzari, which made him miss the calorie game. He had a bit of a heart scare and then he came out um, after today's game saying uh, that I've started smoking again and I need to stop. <laughs> so maybe, <laughs> so maybe, maybe watching to maybe coaching his Torino side this season has been a bit, bit too stressful for him, but, but I hope glad that he's okay because you don't want to see that um, on football coaching. You actually don't want to see that on anybody um, or have a bit of a heart scare because reading the news, Earlier in the week, it was quite scary, and then he had to miss the game against Cary, which was a non-affair. That was probably one of the worst games of the season to date. But yeah, it was a very good win for Torino. 
So that would wrap up the slate for the weekend with one game to play, um, a Monday night football matchup, a heavyweight battle, in my opinion, uh, between Atalanta hosting Napoli. Um, before we get into that game, let's look at the table as it is right now. Juventus sitting first uh, on 40 points. Napoli sitting second with with one game to one game remaining tomorrow. That we mentioned uh, they're sitting on 29 points. Inter have actually tied them now on points. Um, Milan have jumped into fourth place, leapfrogging Lazio. They're on 25. Lazio's on 24. Torino got the last uh, last European spot with 21 points. Then in seventh is Roma on 20, Sassuolo on 20, and Parma on 20. Rounding off the top 10 is Sampdoria on 19. And then you look at the bottom, Kievo holding firmly the last spot with two points. Frosinone six points above them at eight. And then Bologna rounding out the relegation teams at 11. Um, winners and losers from this weekend. Ooh. Um, winners, Sampdoria. Okay. After the... The bad form they've had this in the last couple of weeks. So they got walloped by Torino four one, done by Roma four one. Because um, I could see them goals left, right, and centre. And after a, the disappointment performance in the derby last week, they did pick up the points. But Genoa were, were clearly the better side. Um, losers Bologna. <laughs> I know it's the same game, but they were so so bad. And Inzaghi. If he's if his head's not on the chopping board, it's quite close. Um, they were just defended so badly. Um, do you want me to pick out any other winners in my eyes or any losers? Yeah, if you want, if you want, go for it. Um, I'm just trying to think. Losers probably Fiorentina. Just good call. Just the the poor performance against Juventus. It was quite lacklustre, and they only had like fifteen twenty minutes of of good good attacking play in the second half. They didn't, but after the second goal conceded, it, it, they they just crumbled, and their confidence was shot. And probably winners, I would go with um, Torino. Um, a good win after the half scare of Walter Mazzari. Very good. My winners in this one are the neutral fans, uh, especially those who watch Spal Empoli, um, who, 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 you know, who, who, you know, was willing to, to put up, uh, watch a relegation match and, and, you know, they were, what they, what they got was a brilliant game, I thought. And also the big game, Roma versus Inter, that was a, was a great view for the neutral. A lot of passion in that matchup. There were goals in that game, which you love to see in the big heavyweight battles. There's too many times where it's 0-0, 1-1. Yes, it was two-two, but there's goals. Uh, you love seeing goals in a big game. So the two, you know, the winners are the neutral fans. The losers this week for me, I'm gonna go with Lazio. They they had a team that they should, you know, they should have beaten in Kievo. Um, you know, they're they're battling Milan right now. They're the main team they're battling right now is Milan for that fourth spot, the last CL spot. And really, you know, they had, their schedule is favorable for them to remain ahead of, ahead of Milan or even pull away from Milan and. What do they do with the first game that they get after the the Milan game? They get a dud against the Kievo uh, and 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 barely came away with a draw on that one. So um, I expect more out of Lazio because they're such a fantastic team to watch. Um, So I hopefully they can improve, but they're the losers for me this week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very good choices, uh, especially on the neutral fans. Uh, Two very good games to pick, and uh, it's good that they weren't disappointed. 
So Monday night football game coming up uh, tomorrow night. We have Napoli host or Napoli on the road, I should say, uh, to, to Atalanta. Napoli sits second on the table. Atalanta sit eleventh. But as we know, um, Atalanta are a very dangerous team. They can score, especially at Bergamo. So, um, what what are we expecting, or what are you expecting from this matchup tomorrow? Oh, fast pace, intense attacking football. Both teams play it. Um... Do you think Napoli can boss possession like they have all season, or do you think it's going to be a little more even? I think it's going to be a lot more even. Um, if it was a, a different Napoli to last season, if it was Sari, um, it'd be a lot different because Sari size like to dictate, and, they, and then evidently they do call it Sari ball, and he, he's doing that <laughs> at, at the moment at Chelsea, and they won today. Um, but yeah, I, I see a different Napoli to the last couple of years Ancelotti's tweaked things he's gone 4-4-2 and he's not afraid to play Insigne and Mertens up front which Sari was and he's not afraid to use his squad players which is brilliant to see because um, last season Sari had like 14 players that he always used and it's good to see that Ancelotti's getting the best out of like Fabian Ruiz which is in my eyes has been one of the best signings in Serie A um, yeah, yeah. and I expect a different game I expect I do expect it to be fast and intense attacking football because you get that from both sides um, Atalanta like to play this expansive 3-4-3 and it gets the best out of Papu Gomez and if Duvan Zapata is on his game you will see him bully defenders. He's going to come against the one of the best defenders in European football and world football in Kulabali. And that is a battle I am looking forward to watch. Oh, absolutely. It should be quite an interesting game. And I agree with you. I think the, you know, the possession is going to be fairly even. I think I mean, Napoli will have a slight advantage, of course, as they always do, but, um, you know, I think the best thing that Atlanta have done all season was making sure that Ilicic and Papu Gomez are in the lineup at the same time. I think those two was the path up top, uh, composed a threat to any team in, in, in the league. Um, they're very, very good at home. They, like you said, they play expansive football. While I think Napoli are going to try to dictate things, um, they certainly have the players to do it. Um, I think Atlanta are going to, are going to give them a push. Um, it's going to, I think there'll be some goals in this one. Um, cause we, I, I expect, you know, maybe Atalanta come out with an early goal. Napoli's going to have to open up and then, and they're going to score some goals. They're, they're, they're attacking that Napoli have are just incredible. I mean, the players and then their B players that they have, they're all good. Um, so I, I do expect some goals in this one. It's going to be, I think Frank predicted, uh, an Atalanta, uh, surprise in this one. Uh, and don't call me, but I thought it's what he said. Um, I think it's going to be a good game. I think, um, I'm gonna give Napoli just the edge. You're gonna get a late goal. Their 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 passing is just sublime, and they get these these uh, back post uh, pass goals that they score. It seems like every game uh, they scored against Liverpool. They score against everybody like that. So I get, I see they're gonna get a late goal in this one. They're gonna win something like a two one or three. Maybe I was like three two for for Ooh, Napoli. But I think five, it's gonna be a fun game. Five goal thriller. Five goal for I call it the Callahan goal. That's what he yeah, is yeah, yeah. known for, the back post late run. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm going to go for a very entertaining 2-2 draw. Uh, so yeah, so we look at for this one, it's going to be goals. And uh, I think it's a good shot because both these teams are, are very talented offensively. Um, and so it'll be interesting. I think the big matchup is going to be definitely Duvan Zapata against Koulibaly. 
you know, 10 times out of 10, Koulibaly wins those. So it really depends on what Papo Gomez and Ilicic bring to this one. They're both brilliant, brilliant players on the ball. They both can spread the ball around around the pitch where they want. So we'll see what those two can contribute in this game. And um, fully fully expect Napoli to uh, to bring it in this one, especially with uh, Inter getting a, getting, a, getting a point, nipping at their heels. So uh, let's see what happens. Um, can I just... Can I just... Sorry, I think Ilicic may be suspended. He picked up a, a stupid red card at Empoli last week. Oh, that's right. I completely forgot about that. Oh, that's uh, so that that may change my my decision. What is it? Does it change yours? Uh, no, I'm still going with a two-two draw because I still think they have Atalanta still has the firepower to replace him. It's just it was just a, a, a very stupid yes. moment for him. But yeah, um he'll be a big loss. But I, I feel Atalanta have the the depth to um to cope without him. Certainly and I I, I am not changing my, my score either because they got guys like Remo Froiler and oh, they got yeah. a lot of players in their team, a lot of young players. Uh, Gasparini he just does magic with uh with his players, young and old so um, fully expect them to show up, no matter Ilicic or not. One player to look out for um, is Hans Hatterball, uh on the right hand yeah. side. He, yeah. he, I watched the game against Inter a couple of weeks ago. When, to be honest, they should have won by about ten or eleven. One, <laughs> they absolutely batted Inter, and he was one of the star players on the pitch. So, if anyone who uh, will be watching the game tomorrow, keep an eye on Hatterball. Yeah, Maziello is another one. The, the defenders uh, for Atalanta, they know how to score. So you yes. really got to watch them on set pieces. Yes. Yeah, so I, I think they definitely can get a goal from a set piece in this one. Um, so so now that'll wrap up uh, match week 14. Let's take a quick look at the European action. Give me a second. I lost my pen. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that in. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm going to read through the scores here in Champions League. First, uh, we'll give a reaction and then look at the Europa League. Um, to start with, on Tuesday, uh, we had Juventus hosting Valencia. It was resourceful Juve in this one. They win one nothing. Uh, it was a goal from Mario Mandzukic, assisted by Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, looking at the second game, cover your ears, Scott. Uh, Roma hosted Real Madrid. It was 2 nothing win for the visitors. Goals from Bale in the 47th and Vasquez in the 59th. Um, moving on to Wednesday, uh, in Wednesday's match, we saw Napoli winning, uh, I wouldn't say comfortably, but they, they, they did well to win at home 3-1 against, uh, Sabrina Svezda, aka Red Star Belgrade. Uh, goals Nicely from, done. Um, <laughs> thank you. Goals from <laughs> Hamsik in the 11th, uh, Mertens in the 33rd, uh, Mertens again in the 52nd, and then, um, El Fardu Ben, uh, in the 57th, getting a goal back for the, for the visitors. So good one for them, and then in 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 the last matchup, which is another big game, Tottenham, they got one nothing win over Inter Milan. Uh, it was a, a late game, controversial game, but goal by Christian Eriksen, big goal uh, to get the uh, the win for the host. Um, so looking at the tables real quick, um, Inter they after the result of that game, they are now tied with uh, Tottenham, but actually based on head to head and stuff. They are behind, so they're in third place in that group. Um, Barcelona are first place with 13, cannot be caught. Uh, so it really comes down to this last match day to see if Inter can move on. Napoli, they remain on top of their group with nine points. Um, PSG, with their after their win, they leapfrog Liverpool, jump up to eight points. 
Liverpool are on six points, and then uh, Serena Svezda with four points. Um, moving on, um, Real Madrid still lead their group 12 points. Uh, Roma sit just behind them at nine. Uh, they will be qualifying for the next round. And then in the last group, Group H, Juventus lead their group 12 points. Uh, Manchester United at 10, Valencia at 5. Ju- Juve- Juventus excuse me, are going to be moving on. Uh, what are your reactions from the four games of uh, Champions League? Um, so for Juventus, a very routine win. Um, a lovely goal from Mandzukic due to the work down the left-hand side from Ronaldo. But um, the main p- talking point for me at that game is um, Chesney's save from Dier Carby's header. Um, oh, I, people were raving about um, David De Gea's save in the Young Boys Manchester United yeah, game. Yeah. But Chesney's save, oh my God, it was, it's up there. Just the reaction time from close range. It was just, just, just to... Keep out dear Carby's header because that I thought that was in when seeing the highlights when I got back from football on Tuesday night. Um, but it, Juventus being Juventus, they're very good at like seeing the game out and they're, they're already through four wins from five. And they've got uh, they, I, the young boys again, um, away, so they they could end the group on a high uh, oh, on Roma um, <laughs> it's just painful um, I, I was going to rewatch the game and then I just thought no no I'm going to delete it I I know the score <laughs> I don't I don't want to watch it but watching the goals it's just masters of their own downfall um, stupid mistake from Fazio on the goal for Gareth Bale and a good finish close way finish from Lucas Vasquez it was good that Pilsen got the win um, earlier on so Roma already qualified so they don't have to go to Pilsen in the next round of action to pick up anything on the Napoli all I'm going to say is Dries Mertens two wonderful goals and he is one of the best attackers to watch at the moment just he just a wonderful control for both goals it's, it's just a joy to watch and on Inter um Nearly held out for the for the point, um, but Deli Ali's lovely back heel for Christian Eriksen's finish, and then they have to hope that Barcelona, a weakened Barcelona, can do something against Spurs, and then Inter could pick up something against PSV at home, which is no, which could be a tough game because PSV have been quite rompant in Eredivisie, but in the Champions League they've been a bit struggling. But it's going to be tough for them. Um, match day six is going to be interesting, especially for Napoli and Inter fans, because <laughs> Napoli got to go to, uh, to Liverpool, and that is going to be one of the games of the Champions League this season. Yeah, I mean, the, the, really, the other two teams, Roma and Juventus, they've qualified. There's no worries about them. That really, it's it's Inter. Inter against PSV, well, that should be a win. You never know. PSV are a very good team. Tottenham are at Barcelona at the new Camp. Do you expect, well, well Logic says it's going to be a weakened Barcelona squad. Um, they're at home. They don't like to be embarrassed and lose at home. So I expect them to put up a decent squad. Decent squad. It may not be their A squad, but their 1A is probably, or 1B, I should say, is probably as good as anybody else in the world too. So should be a very interesting game there. Um, Inter will have to win, hoping that Barcelona either get a draw or, or the score isn't as, hope, Inter hope to have a bigger win than, than Tottenham should. Um, 
And I don't even know if that'll even do it. Really, they got to hope for Tottenham to lose or draw and enter to win. Yeah. Uh, but the big game, like you mentioned, is going to be Napoli at Liverpool. Um, a lot is on the line here. I mean, nothing's guaranteed. If they go to Liverpool and lose, uh, I think the head-to-head goes to Liverpool, and PSG's already got eight points, so um, PSG has to beat you know Red Star. It's going to be an interesting last day. I mean, Group C is going to be the one to watch for sure, but you also want to watch Group B. Um, what do we? What are the chances are? Do we think that um, Napoli and Inter are going to move on? Do oh. Both are one are neither. Um, I think Inter will. Um, it, I'm really sorry, Tottenham fans, but I think this might be a tall order for for uh, you guys. I could see Tottenham like taking a lead and then getting pegged back by Barcelona A slash B side. Um, but Inter at home in the Champions League, um, they've done pretty well this season, picking four points out of six. To what the, the Liverpool Napoli game is probably the hardest to call because Liverpool have to win and have to win by two clear goals to actually qualify, and Napoli have to hope that Red Star gets something against PSG in Belgrade. Uh, I could see that being a draw. So I could probably see both, so all four Italian sides qualifying for the latter stages. That would be nice. Uh, yeah, but it's it's going to be a tall order. You're going to get a lot of twists and turns in match day six in the Champions League, especially in those two games. Those two games will be the main to watch if you're an Italian football fan. I think even as a neutral, you got to watch it because oh, yeah. it's going to be interesting games and um, I think I'm gonna give the edge to Tot- or Tottenham. Excuse me, uh, no, uh, Inter Milan. I think Inter Milan can nick it out because I th- I do think uh, Barcelona are gonna show up and and at least try to get a draw in in their game because they're at home. They don't like to be embarrassed, like I said. Uh, so I'm looking at something like maybe a one-one, maybe even a two-two. If if Tottenham get a second goal, I can see Ro- uh, Barcelona turning it on, bringing on some guys just to make sure they get the result. Um, they don't want to be embarrassed, like I said. Um, Inter should handle PSV. Um, as good as PSV have been this season in, in the Eredivisie, uh, and they have been pretty good in Champions League as well, I think uh, Inter have the talent to certainly uh, get the victory, in that, and I think they're going to win, so I think Inter are going to move on. Tottenham are going to be m- missing out going to Europa League. Uh, and then the big game, um, conventional wisdom tells you Liverpool on a European night are to be reckoned with, right? At Anfield. At Anfield. Yeah. Under the lights, that crowd... <sighs> Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. I remember just a couple of years ago, the big game against Dortmund where they're down, you know, whatever, late in the game. They come back and get like just enough goals to win the game late and in stoppage time. Um, Liverpool at Anfield on a European night is is unreal atmosphere. With that said, if this was sorry being the manager, I would say I could see a Liverpool win. This is Carlo Ancelotti. He is known for the European games. He's not so much a Serie A guy. He's more of a European. He goes for the Champions League games. Um, he knows what it takes to play in a big game like this. I think they'll do just enough. Um, I don't know if they're going to win their group, but I think they'll get the result they need to move on. Maybe even a draw will, a draw will do it, and I think they can get the draw. Um, I say it's going to be Napoli moving on and Inter moving on. See four teams from Serie A going on to the next knockout stages. And that would be good for Serie A itself. Yeah, imagine uh, two Serie A squads uh, 
eliminating two English squads, two favored English squads, I should say. Um, if Liverpool go out in the group stages, that would be something because it's not like their team is bad. They just had a heck of a group. Um, we saw what PSG can do uh, to them. We saw what Napoli did to them already this year. Um, it's not that you can't be knocking Liverpool. It's just that the team, this group is just a heck of a thing. And if, if Napoli do survive, that would be that would be a victory in itself, um, regardless of how the season goes. Because looking at coming into this season, when when its groups came out, everyone said Napoli's out. They're out. Never. Even their fans were saying. Even their fans were saying it. Never underestimate Napoli. Never ever. Never ever. Or Ancelotti. No, no, or, no, Carlo. Just don't. I'd see like Liverpool fans going, "Oh yeah, it's gonna be us and PSG," and I'm like, "Don't underestimate Napoli." You know what happened <laughs> on match day two? Napoli absolutely wiped the floor with Lazio, and it had to be a late Lorenzo Insigne goal to win the game. But yeah, yeah. they're they're very good on the eye. Different different side to last season. Oh God, this is gonna be one amazing game to watch. Um, so we both think it's going to be four teams from Syria moving on the Champions League. Look, moving on to Europa League real quick. Uh, AC Milan, as we mentioned earlier, they beat the Dude Lounge five to two, and then Lazio, as we also mentioned, lost Apollonia two nothing with their B or C squad. Um, but Lazio, it wouldn't matter to them because they already qualified. We're not going to worry about them. Uh, Milan, on the other hand, uh, it's a little bit more different for a little more difficult for them. Uh, they're gonna. And currently they are three points up on Olympiacos in their group, but the last game is against Olympiacos. If Olympiacos wins and they win big by more than two goals, I think Olympiacos moves on over Milan, if I'm correct. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, this is a big game for Milan no matter what. We've seen how they played against teams like Real Betis. Betis kind of showed them uh, really who's the boss uh, in, in those matchups. Um, they're gonna have to show up better than they did against the Dude Lounge. If they if they're gonna go down uh, in the games, don't expect to have a massive comeback like they did then. Oh, you did win five two, <laughs> but you did also go. Was it one all? Was it one nil up and it went to one all? It was one. Uh, yeah, it was one one, and then they went up two one. Oh, but you you did win the game five two, and uh, um, I can see AC Milan being okay. If you get all some of your injured players back, I know Bonaventure is going to be a massive blow because he's out for the rest of the season. He's out until the summer. But yeah, I can see you guys being okay. Yeah, that game will be on December 13th, so that's a big game for um, Syria. Um, Latio's already through. Do we think Milan's going to go through as well? Yes, I. so I reckon it'd be six from six. Six and six, and uh, that I don't know if has been done since uh, La Liga did it a couple years ago. So, um, very impressive. Uh, England English team they they well they they always they always seem to lose in the knockout stages. It seems like it has been a while since they did that, right? Yeah, and that six from six in La Liga didn't they get two winners in the Champions League and the Europa League? If yeah, was yeah, it Seville? Both, both Madrid teams, I think, won right. Or was it? Yeah, it could have been both Madrid teams, or it was either Seville. Oh, Sevilla, yeah, that's yeah. right, that's right. Very good. So we think it could be, I also think it's going to be Milan win. I think it'll be six from six. Um, so that wraps up the European uh, review. Um, the last thing we're going to talk about is a doozy of a game next weekend. Um, in Italy, we call it Derby d'Italia, Juventus, Inter Milan. Um, this is a heavyweight bout. Um, do it's going to be at Juventus. So yes, how do how do we think this is going to go? It's a game with a lot of history. Um, 
if you're an Inter fan, you'll remember the... Is Rocky the manager, uh, referee? Uh, probably. <laughs> no. Uh, I, 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 Inter fans will probably think, no, please not. Not again. Um, no, it's next Friday, um, which is... I love fr- Friday night Italian football. It's very good to watch. Because we don't, you don't get it that much nowadays. It's always no. sandwiched in between Saturday, Sunday, and the old Monday night game. Uh, it's good that they're branching out to Friday night games. It's going to be a classic. Um, both teams like to play good football. Um, Juve have been very unstoppable this season in Serie A and in the Champions League, and they're running away with the league at the moment. 11 points clear after 14 games. Um, already hit 40 points. Um, they're just getting better and better. And they're not even playing that well, <laughs> which is a sign of champions. But it's into side um, a bar tonight against um, against Roma, um, which they did play quite well. Um, they just got pe- pegged back to twice. Um, they've been very good this season. All their the players that they brought in in the summer, bar Nigelan, have, have been doing very well. Um, Brozovic has been one of the best players this season, along with Akadi and Politano. If they can get them three firing, you could you could see a different different side. But it's it's Juve, it's home, it's the J Stadium. I, all I could see is just a Juventus win. I'm really right. sorry. I'm really sorry. <laughs> all right, so let, let, I'll pose two scenarios. This is what Frank always throws at me. Um, Juventus will win if what? If they score the first goal. All right, you think that all needs a goal and they can set up shop the rest of yeah, the game? Yeah, if they get the first goal, uh, Ronaldo, Mandzukic, Dabala, et al. get the first opportunity until they get the first goal, yeah, I can't, I can't see looking past them. Okay, and now on the flip side, Inter will win if what? If, can they win at all? Uh, I would say if they if they come at Juventus early and they and if they get the first goal because if they it, that means Juventus have to attack and you could see a different different side to Inter maybe a resilient side uh, and if Juventus defence make, makes a bit of a boo-boo if Bonucci makes a bit of a mistake which he's tend to done this season you never know all right, and uh, so I'll tell you me. Um, I think Juventus win um, if they just do what they normally do at home. They're resourceful Juve. Uh, these big games, they know what it takes. They have the big-time players who know how to finish. Mandzukic is huge in big games. Ronaldo obviously is. Um, with Dybala or Bentacor is now on the scene, they got a lot of talented guys in their team, and they have a good, really good goalkeeper in Chesney. Or if it's Mattia Perrin, whoever's in, whoever's in between the posts, they got a stellar goalkeeper. <laughs> Yeah, it'll most likely be Chesney. Um, but, um, yeah, if, if, if Juve just does what Juve normally does, they're resourceful, they're at home, yeah. they're really, really strong, they should win. Uh, Inter on the other side, um, they'll win is if they they win the midfield. Um, you know, guys like Miangalan, Brozovic, um, all those players that they have that in the midfield, they got a lot of midfield talent that they can boss that midfield. If Icardi just shows up in big games like he normally does, um, if that defense – you know, Skriniar, uh, Miranda, whoever's back there, DeVry, uh, if they can find a way to, to shut down Ronaldo or, or Mandzukic or both or, you know, whoever come, whoever's thrown at them, um, they're going to do quite well in this one. That's So, you know, winning the midfield is going to be the big thing, though, I think. Now, let's go prediction time real quick. Uh, who do you think is – what's the score and who wins? Uh, I'm going to go 2-1 Juve. 2-1 Juve, Okay. 
All right. I am going to go. Let's see. It's it's a tight one, but I am gonna I'm gonna pull an upset in this one. Ooh. I don't normally like to go with Inter in big games, especially against Juventus. However, in the last month or so, you Inter have shown me that they are they can be resourceful, like Juventus. Um, they've played they've gone head to head with Barcelona, and they had a one one game against them recently. Um, I like the talent Kate Balde is now playing on the pitch. Um, you know, they got guys like Perisic, obviously Icardi, Arturo Martinez, Brozovic has just been unworldly this last month as well. Um, I think Inter squeeze, squeeze away a 2-1 victory myself, and I think it's going to be Icardi with the winner. Uh, I don't know why, it just tells me I hate picking Inter um, in big games like this because usually, you know, history tells me that they, they blow up in these games, but um, they've looked good in the big games as of recently. And so I'm going with a 2-1 win for the road team. Could you imagine if that happens, the utter, utter scenes in the away end? Yeah, and the table could be topsy-turvy. Well, not that big because it's still got a big lead, but, I mean, that could that could make it nice and closer, especially if Napoli win tomorrow. So Yeah, and if in, Inter win and then Napoli win next week, that could be down to five points. Ooh, ooh imagine that. Uh, going to Christmas break with a closer-than-expected uh, race. That would be fantastic for the neutral, I should say. I don't know about you and Tini. They're probably tweeting me right now and say, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> Um, but but no, no, like it'll be all all wrapped up by Christmas. Yeah, yeah, I probably I mean, it probably is right by now actually. So uh, uh, the other big game um, next weekend is Lazio Sampdoria. Uh, real quick, who you think wins that game? Oh, good question. Lazio uh, is at home. Yeah, so it's at the Olimpico because Roma are away at Cagliari, and the, both teams can't play at home. Um, their slump's got to end somehow. Um, but this Samp side have been a bit different in recent weeks. I picked up four out of six. I could see Samp picking up a, a, a very, very good away win. I would say 2-1. Ooh, uh, you know, I want to I wanna say Sampdoria is going to do well. They just came off a 4-1 victory, but they're too up and down for me. Yeah. I mean, as are Lazio. Don't get me wrong. They're both These two teams are, you know, Jekyll and Hyde teams. One week they're good, one week they're bad. You know, being on the road, I'm not liking Sampdoria. I want to say it's a draw is what I want to say, but I'm going to give Lazio, they're going to win a game, much-needed win. Uh, I'm going to give them a 2-1 victory in this one. I'm going to see, we're going to have a goal sighting from Milinkovic Savic. How about that? Ooh, SMS finally delivers. Yeah, he finally gets his... uh, His text. Yeah, his (laughs) his text out. (laughs) His text out, or his WhatsApp. That's right. All right, on that note, I think we will wrap this one up. Um, Scott, please tell... uh, Tell our followers where they can find you on Twitter and pl- go ahead and plug away. So you can find me on social media on, on Twitter at, at Scott underscore Monroe. Uh, Scott is spelled with one T and Monroe is M-U-N-R-O-E. Um, if you talk to me about football, cricket, wrestling, any other stuff, I'll interact. Um, thanks to the guys at Moment Post. Uh, me and James Rowe are doing a Moment Post European pod. Um we do that. We record every Tuesday. We're about eight, nine episodes in, and we'll be recording during the week. We do three topics from all all the leagues across Europe. Uh, we tried to not do the, the the obvious ones. So last week we went a bit left field and covered a bit the Copa Libertadores final, the non final, um, <laughs> the non final. Yes, the non final. We we covered the the Rome derby between Leon and Sanetti, and, and we also covered the 
the excellent um, Genoa Sampdoria derby. Um, and hopefully, me and James, we message e- to each other. Our three topics were quite easy. We bounce ideas off each other, and it's a lot of fun. And I would just like to thank the guys at the Man the Post podcast to give us the platform to do it. Yeah, it's uh certainly follow these guys. Uh, your your podcast is excellent. You know everything from Man on the Post is excellent. Give them a follow for sure. Uh, we'll make sure we tweet it out as well, along with Scott's handle. Um, of course, you can find me at r underscore Carmen K H A R M A N. Uh, you can follow uh, Frank Cravello at FTC underscore twenty one. Um, as always, you can follow at Serial Sit Down both on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, anywhere social media really, um, you can get our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, TuneIn Radio, anywhere that has music or streamable music uh, will be there as well. Also, don't forget to check our uh, YouTube page at Serial Sit Down as well. Uh, we've been lacking on that page, but we got to, we're gonna, we'll get back to it because some nice goals this weekend we're going to put on there. So um, do stay tuned for that. Um, so. Scott, thank you for uh, coming on the show uh, and uh, helping me out in Frank's absence. Um, don't take it as a slight, but uh, we're all, you're always welcome back. So we're glad to have you for your third cap. Oh, no worries. It's always um, always good to chat, chat with you guys about Serie A football. And thank you for having me on. And once again, we are on the World Football Index Network. Um, as always, make sure you uh, give us a follow and make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao. Mm-hmm.